Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. How's he do it? Yes, guys. Welcome back to. Hang on. Do it again. Do it again. Yes, guys. Welcome back to the Canon Podcast. I'm here with. That's, I think that's pretty good. That's not bad. I think it's pretty good. That's I think it's pretty good. As far, as, far good. as impressions go. Uh, you're, yeah, you're the I... impression jukebox on the pod. <laughs> Do one. Do another one. Do another one. Uh, welcome back to the Canon Podcast. Uh, no buffs today, but it is myself and the lovely George Vutsas. How are you, sir? I'm great, mate. I'm great. I'm I'm feeling energized. Um, Good. not just post win, but I have just you been think... to Dubai? I have not. <laughs> been the opposite. If you're over here in Canada, there is a snowstorm happening. So, uh, yeah, I would love the sun. You yeah, make no, sure you like subscribe and maybe i can get to dubai life dream <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah get on the patreon not only do you get an invitation to george's wedding you get you actually get a plane ticket to dubai on the patreon so <laughs> do you know what i mean do you know what i mean uh we are here to chat we're gonna do a bit of a sort of mailbag um episode uh many because babs isn't here and we haven't gotten topic ideas because we're not we're not geniuses in that way um but first we should discuss the palace game should mm-hmm. we not five nil which was massive and i think to start this off, you know, we sort of spoke about this a little bit on the instant reaction. There's so much, there's so much positive out of this. I do want to discuss sort of the area of improvements, but I don't want that to feel like in any way taking away from the massive, massive positives. I took so much out of that game, getting that off the, the sort of the monkey off the back, going away to Dubai. You can imagine all of the conversations, all of the, everything was about, can we put the ball in the back of the net? Can we put the ball in the back of the net? To go and do that five times, no matter how it happened, is really really big so yeah thoughts on maybe just the positives on that uh, i think i had maybe a a reduced uh, thought process on it because i love the game personally i i think that we had very obvious left-hand side issues but there was a lot of green shoots of improvement even in the way that we used Trissard that i felt pointed towards more um consideration of balance and then I started to see, you know, uh, a, a lot of maximize a lot of the little wins that we haven't been doing in attack lately. And I think that Palace, to be fair, played completely into our hands. And, you know, it couldn't have been an easier opponent to do some of the things that we did. 
But fundamentally, I still feel as though, you know, this whole set piece narrative I find really jarring. I really want to kind of bring it up in, in general. Like, why are we critiquing a strength of a team? If we're going to sit here, for example, and talk about how some teams have ball striking in terms of Liverpool and have a variety of profiles, why are we saying that it's a bad thing for Arsenal to, by the way, two years on the bounce, be the best set piece team in the league? It's no longer marginal. It's no longer something that you sit there and say, is it sustainable or not? We've proven it to be. It's a strength of the team. So mm. praise it. You're not going to have very many people like Gabriel Magalhaes that provide five goals a season with their set pieces. That is something that he's consistently done. It's a massive strength. It's a massive strength. And maybe we should we should go there first. I I, I do hear those people. I, th- I think the only thing I'd say is maybe just put to, to put the opposite opinion across because I agree with you. And I think broadly we should be celebrating this and it should be a massive thing and 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 people should be going you know this is a huge strength of this arsenal team some people have you know we want to find that inevitable player you know we want to find that player who can do this thing that you know no one else can do your Which share, by the way as like as a want an inevitable 100%, 100% but in terms of the set pieces you know name me another team that can do what we do you know so so that is you know it's a massive strength and i think we should be we should be taking that in i think though the the argument against against it, the argument around it, is around the idea that like because we're not creating loads and loads from open play, I can see why people feel a little bit frustrated. I, I, I can I can I can understand that. Maybe you know what? Let's start with a debate on that because actually I want to come to that point. Is okay? How much of this is hangover from the first two months of the season, and how much of this is hangover from us wanting to see a particular style? Because I think on one hand, we absolutely haven't maximized the balance of the squad. That's been the case all season. Completely true. I don't think, for example, we platform our superstars. We've been talking about this on the channel for a while. Well enough. Completely true. But ever since Gabriel Jesus has come into the team, not only have Arsenal had the broad greatest XG, but the broad open play XG. And they've led that in the league since he's come back. And that includes the beginning part when Gabby Jesus wasn't himself. And that is from sample as of mid-November. So I'm really kind of I'm struggling here that I think people aren't bookmarking fairly some of the story of the season where I feel mm-hmm. the first half of it up until Newcastle has absolutely been a story of the team maximizes its efficiency, ironically, with very minimal creation that we're sitting there bemoaning from last season. And then we switch well, we absolutely have become the most creative team in the league since Jesus has come back while still not recognizing the same creativity, but we are metrics-wise the most creative through open play and broad XG, but at the same token have fallen to inefficiency issues throughout the entirety of the squad. And it could be argued, in fact, it's just propped up in the numbers, we are producing our best numbers all season with the worst results. And that, I think, has really mared a narrative about how creative we are broadly and how much this team is struggling right now in terms of us trying to balance our game style changes. And that's where I really struggle with because um, let me just pull up the tweet and while you think about that and just let it ruminate for a second um, in, in that kind of the, the numbers post, you know, I, I kind of went back, you know, Scott Willis did, does a brilliant job about kind of providing fans with this, um, with this narrative and there were some other people that as well propped up some of the open play xg metrics but i guess how do you view the creativity conversation because i still Mm -hmm. think 
our balance is an issue. I still don't love the way that we access central areas, but I'm struggling to really uh, marry that with kind of the facts of our physical open plane. Even a team that isn't complete, and I'm only taking the Jesus sample because I think it's fair to assume that if you're starting number nine, it's not fit. You're not going to be producing the potential of uh, mm. of your team. Mm. Mm. I. I hear that. I hear all that. And I think that's, that's all valid to put across maybe the counterpoint again. If you look at our open play XG numbers, we're still, and again, what you said about the, the hangover, this is a hundred percent a hangover from the beginning of the season and maybe the bookmarking needs to be done. But I think in the sort of the, maybe the dialogue about the dialogue about the team, you can understand why people still feel that way when we are, I know for a fact from opt analysts, we're 10th in the league for open play goals and we're 7th in the league for open play XG. It may well be that from a certain date to a certain date, you know, we are, we're much better. I'm sure we are, but I can, I can see why people still feel something's still not quite clicked. And I, and I, I would be one of, one of those people. Well, for example, I, like in the league, like just to back up the numbers, cause I finally have found them. So since Jesus has come back from his last knee injury, which was roughly the 23rd of November, Arsenal have 2.2 non penalty XG, which is the best in the league and our 1.28 in the non penalty XG difference. So not only are we creating the most XG since that point, but we're also conceding the least XG in that point. And then if you're going to take that even further to open play issues, you know, the non-penalty XG since you know Jesus has come in has been twenty-one point zero three, while Liverpool are second in seventeen point eight six. So I don't even think it's a small amount. There's a significant four non-penalty XG difference between first and second here. And if you're what was, talking, what was, the, what was the first number you read out? You said two two XG. So first number two point two non-penalty XG on average. Which is the best oh, per game? League. Per game. Yes. Sorry, yes. sorry. That yeah. wasn't yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Per game. Which, again, like mm-hmm. these aren't small numbers. Like they're mm-hmm. very significant points of difference. And so I mm-hmm. hold my hands up. Where, sure, the average would talk of us of us at tenth. But again, I think you really have to bookmark the sample where we've been the best in the league at one point and completely average in another mm-hmm. point, and mm-hmm. contextualize that with amongst all the injuries to Timber and Partey. Having your starting number nine play definitely is something that we need if we're going to critique the attack. Like yeah. I'm here to have a conversation because I still think despite us creating the best, we still aren't doing our best in how we manage mm. these boys, which mm. I still think is a valid concern. Yes, and I, and I would be one of those. I, I think on the on the open play, on, on those numbers, look, they're numbers and you can't necessarily deny them, but anecdotally, I was looking for a video today the last time we scored a goal from open play, now transition goals count as open play, of course they do. But the last time we scored a goal from what we might determine as open play, as in breaking down a block, was against Luton, arguably. Because you look at you look back at the, um, uh, for example, the Habits goal against Brighton, you could argue it's on a transition. Again, you know, you can make an argument the other way and say, well, that's definitely from open play. I think you can make an argument that the Saka goal against Fulham is is on the transition because Martin Lee breaks away down the left and then he has the shot which, which spills to Saka. So we're looking back in the beginning of December, you know, whatever. And, you know, again, you can sort of construct arguments both ways, but I I don't know, I'm, I'm less convinced. I, you know, I, again, it's the perennial conversation in football, right, about like the numbers versus the eye test. And I just think when I'm watching this team at the moment, I don't feel much of a threat from open play. I don't feel when we're when we're playing around the box that something's about to happen. 
then I start to look at the sort of the overall picture, which probably is, you know, I, I think you're right to say we need, maybe we need to bookmark it since Jesus has come back. But when I look at the overall picture, I start to think, I don't know, I think there's something there. I look at the Habits performance. Maybe one of the solutions we can talk about is Emil Smith-Rowe because I think he, he could help us to, to penetrate centrally. And I look at our approach play, and I think I said this on the interaction as well. I, I, I'm not loving how we look at the minute. I think we lost that squeeze. I think we've lost um, a lot of the positional rotation up front. Again, not completely, but I think a lot, a lot of that ha- isn't happening at the minute. Um, I think the balance of the attack doesn't look quite right. So we may we may be creating XG, uh, you know, in a, in a certain phrase. But when you look at the whole season, I think when you look at certain, you know, you look back to you know how many actual open play breaking teams down, getting that goal have we scored since even that Wolves game where that two one at home. I don't know. So I think I don't know. I I think probably the the balance of the argument falls down on on the idea that we are looking better, and there's less of a concern. But I don't think that's the same. And I don't think this is what you're saying. I don't think that's it's just you know we're 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 sort of over the hill and we're rosy again. I think I don't know. I think there's more shades of grey, and, and a lot of it honestly is just based on watching that game against Palace and going. I don't feel threatened. I'm not 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 on the on, on the pitch, but I don't think Palace feel threatened. I think they feel threatened from set pieces. I think they feel threatened on the transition. But when we're sat around, as we will be for the rest of the season, trying to break teams down, I still think there's something missing. I don't I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll be on. I just have to say what I feel. I felt, mm-hmm. and I've even said on the channel here that I feel that we are due a five nil pasting from teams, and I feel that there's been an, a severe inefficiency issue. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there's been a there's been a level of confidence that that's taken for a lot of people. I still don't think that we platform our superstars fundamentally, and I don't think we've even done Great. that. By the way, last season when people say we were at our fluid best, I still don't think that. I mean, we definitely had a lot more wide overloads, and there was definitely more priority to getting Martinelli inside, so it was better. I still don't think it was great. And I still don't think that the amount of defensive work rate, like if we're going to talk about Bakayo Saka at Palace, what a phenomenal defensive shift, but why the heck are we having somebody yes, who is our superstar back to the byline? Like, I, I don't like those things. I love that they're humble enough to do it, but don't do those things. And it's just, I struggle because I've also kind of had a look at some of the pressing numbers. Like when you're talking about the squeeze, maybe during Palace, the lines seemed longer, but I think that's because Palace were so horrible and they're maintaining their midfield distances that we went over the top and successfully killed them that way. And, and possibly, and sorry to cut you off, but possibly to pull them out of their block. You know, it's not, you know, I, I, you watch, you watch, you know, that massive chasm, which I felt between Saliba and Jesus in that game. But I've had a look, little bit of a look into it, and it is more of a theme than it was last season. But you know, it could also be a a, a, a tactic. And I, I will say this because I've said this for a while: our press is the biggest difference from last season to this season, and we've talked mm-hmm. about it on this channel quite a bit. And the fact that we've gone a lot more zonal in occupation has been something we've done. But I will put this out, and I don't think it's illogical. Look at Manchester City in the last two to three years in terms of their peak performance of when they go into a title. And look at their slumps, quote unquote. Now, a slump for Man City is not large, but look at when they occur. They always occur at the beginning of the season, November, December. I've never seen Manchester City slump in March and April. Now, I seriously do believe, and the numbers reflect this, we've now finally become the top PPDA turnovers, which again is pressures per defensive actions for those that may not know that are listening. And they kind of represent the quote unquote pressing ability of a team. We have finally gone from quite mid table at the beginning of the season to first tied with Liverpool to this. 
And I've been talking about, I think in the last five games, I've noticed the squeeze come back. I've noticed us go a lot more man-to-man in the pressure, which is backed up by the numbers because, again, we're sitting at 8, 8.7 per game, tied with Liverpool here. Tottenham are third with 9.1, Chelsea with 9.6. But the, the facts are, um, as of January 18th, we went from a team that really didn't do this and we're mid-table in this metric to first. So there is a change. And when I talk about in the last five games why I felt like I was confident in us getting these results, I think the press had something to do with it. And I will ask this question. Do you not think that potentially there is a part of Mikel that is saving this team to peak later? And I think that's an argument that you can talk from the press at the very least. And the fact is, at the beginning of last season, our press and PPDA numbers started at the top, maintained at the top, and then fell off a cliff once we started losing people. Is there, is there even um, a, a merit to say mm-hmm. There is lessons learned from last season about peaking and when to peak in a season. It's very, it's very, very possible. It's very, very possible. And I think that the problem is, is we're trying to analyze a season while we're in the middle of it. So we're projecting forward and we're looking back and we're, we're trying to say, you know, is, the, is there an open play problem? Do we have a, you know, is the set piece thing here to stay or is it not? You know, so we're looking back, you know, last season, we can all pretty much define it. And I think I said this actually in a video recently. If you look at the analysis of Arsenal last season, there was so much analysis because there was, and, and so many people try rushing to explain what Arsenal, you know, myself included, rushing to explain what Arsenal were doing because it was quite obvious. Step up really high, squeeze teams, force them long, win it back, play through them, create those wide triangles, Saka Martinelli smashes it in, see you later, three points. Fantastic. Because we're now in the shades of grey, it's now, th- these are the questions. And, and I think this is kind of the beauty of, and, and why it f- I think feels maybe the online discourse, but also the offline discourse feels maybe a little bit more fractured because mm-hmm. we're all not quite sure. Yes, you know, maybe those PPDA numbers do that and then they fall back down. We don't know. Unfortunately, we're looking and we might look back at the end of the season and go, what a masterclass from Mikel. We might, we might say, you know, built into the season, was showing different facets of football, did that for that game, did this for the, this game. But you look at the XG numbers, you look at the pressing numbers, you look at these, that shows a real sort of uh, sort of explosion towards the end of the season when it needed to happen and we had all the right players fit and we looked great and we won the title. Or we might be saying stuttery, not quite sure where we were and ultimately results are going to decide that. So it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely want, possible. And I wanted to end on this because I'm sure we got to go to questions, but look at the amount of times that we actually switched and switched early to Bakayo Saka in the Crystal Palace game. This is something that I did want to bring up that we didn't quite highlight in, in the uh, post-match. And I think that this idea of going more man-to-man, it is vital to have Thomas Partey and Timber back. But if you're not going to do it, the way that you spring people forward is to make sure that you're switching early. And we haven't been doing that enough. The build-up tempo has sometimes been slow. We've talked about that on this channel. But I think one of the ways that you can add central access is get the ball earlier to your most potent threats so that Mm. they're more likely to be 1v1. And another way is to make sure that you're providing enough dynamic rotation, whether that's through the central midfield, which you talk about your Emil Smith-Rowe cameo, or that's whether through a fit Ben White. And Mm. those are things that we can talk about trying to do a bit better at. But um, yeah, you kind of then circle back to the wing um, central midfielder compliments that I've exhausted the listeners at about my theory on that. And then you kind of rotate on things that we've known that we can do a bit better. But I guess just to tie it off, I do feel that this team is bubbling more. I'm seeing enough signs that it wouldn't surprise me in the next month that we see these numbers not only increase and widen, but the perception of Arsenal becomes 
oh, they're playing the best football in the league again. And Possible. I don't think that that necessarily means, oh, that equals title. George then believes that we're favorites or whatnot. That's very different. I just think that we've been quite unlucky. And fans don't mm-hmm. want to hear it, but I do think that we have been quite unlucky results-wise more. Um, and I have actually had more worries at the start of the season when we were top with the results than I do right now with poorer results, but better arguable performances, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Look, just to tie that off before we go to questions, I think um, there are certain games that you look back on, and maybe you can, again, only do the start of the season, where you go, that felt like a bit of a turning point. Mm-hmm. And I think that Palace game did feel like a bit of a turning point. And, you know, for all of our conversa- ongoing conversations about how this team plays and what's right and wrong, I do think, for me, yeah, as I say, the headline, headline, headline is so important so important to get that win so important you know it's, it's all basic really basic you know match of the day analysis no offense um but you know it's really important to get the win great to get the three points move on but that stuff is important and i think for the players mentally that must have been such a big relief you know going in especially on the early kickoff you know so yeah i'm really looking forward to forest now uh let's do some questions we've got one thanks for checking out the canon podcast To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the cannon pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.